0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Laura, uh, as Simon said, and uh, this morning I am continuing the uh, theme, continuing the series on Tales of the Unexpected. And uh, When I knew that this was going to be the theme of the teaching series, I also knew that I needed to speak from the Old Testament. Um, I absolutely love the Old Testament, and uh, I feel like Tales of the Unexpected sort of sums the Old Testament up a little bit. You'll be reading through, and you'll come across something, and you'll be like, what? That happened? And you'll need to read it again because it just seems so obscure. Uh, so this morning, as Simon said, I'm going to be uh, speaking on Jacob wrestling with God. And my title this morning um, is Lessons from Hulk Hogan. So what I want us to do is look at what are some of the lessons that we can learn from Jacob wrestling with God. What is there that a wrestler could teach us here in Hales Owen this morning. And you may be looking at me going, but Laura, what do you know about wrestling? Well, let me tell you, more than you'd think. Um, there is a community within this church, and you can look at the person next to you and see if you think they're one of them. Uh, and what we do is we, it, it sounds a little bit underhand to be honest with you, uh, once I've explained it, it, makes me sound slightly odd, but it's okay. Um, what we do is throughout the year, we will watch wrestling in our own homes. But then, a couple of nights a year, we will gather under the cover of darkness in someone's living room. And we will sit from 11 at night to 4 in the morning watching grown men who are fake tanned, waxed, oily and in lycra wrestling each other until the early hours. And I feel that I would love to take this opportunity to apologise to two people particularly, because the last time this happened in my house, my dog weed on two people, and they've never hosted it in my house since. So I would like that to be a public apology. Guys, you know who you are. I'm not going to humiliate in front of everyone. Um, but it's, it's surprising. Uh, that's not all I know about wrestling. Uh, there's a picture that's going to come up in a second. And this picture was taken last year. This is at the WWE uh, in Liverpool. They went and uh, did a televised wrestling matches session. Uh, up in Liverpool, you can see the ring. That's kind of where the entrance will be with the pyrotechnics. And this next picture is my husband and a friend of ours who went with us in their wrestling t-shirts. Uh, I took the picture. I resisted the urge to buy one. I kind of got carried away in the moment and then realized later it really wasn't a good idea to buy one. But they had a great time. I had a great time. And uh, this morning, I really think that there's a lot that we can learn from wrestling. And you may be sitting there going, Laura, it's not a real sport. It's okay. I know it's not. It's sports entertainment. The endings are already pre-worked out. But wrestling is an actual sport it's in the Olympics it must be official and there's lots of different genres I guess of wrestling sumo wrestling judo all kinds of different ones but they all have something in common the aim of all of these um wrestle wrestling types I don't know what's that called um is that you have an opponent you have someone that you come into uh, the ring against coming to an area against and the idea is that you grapple with them You grapple with them, and you struggle with them, and uh, there's this mutual respect between the two of you, but it's this idea of grappling, this idea of struggling and wrestling with somebody else that I want to talk about this morning, because that's what God invites Jacob to do to grapple, to wrestle, to struggle. And I think sometimes we can feel that that's not an appropriate thing to do with God, that we've got things that we're working through, things that we're struggling with, issues that we're trying to think through, decisions that we're maybe trying to reach uh, a conclusion to. And We think, but I can't, I need to hide that. I need to push that away because I, I need to have things together. Me and God need to be good. But actually God invites us to grapple with those and struggle with those with him. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, I'm going to be reading uh, from a passage in Genesis. But before I do that, it's Genesis 32 if you want to turn there, I want to make one thing very clear. This wrestle and this struggle is never about power. You see, it's never about us having power over God, trying to kind of get one up on God, kind of get our agenda across that God would do things our way. If we ever go into a kind of grappling struggle with God around an issue, actually, that's only going to end up with us coming out very badly. And um, as I was coming through this, I was was writing this, and I was thinking it through, I felt like God gave me some examples of things that maybe, so that you were on the same page, uh, of the things that we might be struggling with and might be grappling with ourselves as a church. Some of the things that God put on my heart were issues of finance. Um, like difficulties in finance, uh, difficulties in marriages, uh, people maybe who are single and are trying to grapple and wrestle with why that is. Um, maybe when God's given people dreams and you feel that God's spoken promises into your life, but you're not seeing where that, that they're coming out. You're not seeing how that's possible, where God's working in that. Um, maybe issues of health, maybe whether God exists at all. Maybe loved ones who don't actually know God and you feel like you're kind of wrestling and grappling on their behalf. So there are some really big issues, and there could be all sorts of others. Addiction was another one, whether it's sort of pornography or alcohol, those sorts of things. There's massive, massive issues that we grapple with as a church, and we're people. This is what we do, and God invites us to do that with him. So uh, I'm going to turn with one hand to Genesis 32, and uh, we're going to read from verse 22. Here we go. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants' wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with man and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. And even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon on Jacob's hip. So what I want to look at is what are some of the lessons that we can learn from this wrestle? What can we learn from wrestlers? Well, first of all, I think that there's an issue around loneliness, You see, often when we're carrying massive issues that we're struggling with and grappling with and trying to get our head around and trying to work out where God is in all of that, it can be a really, really lonely thing. Really lonely. Really isolating. And I think that's for three reasons. First of all, whatever it is that you're going through, the chances are that whoever it is that you're trying to talk to about it, whoever it is that you're trying to share with, be in community with, wrestle these things alongside and work through with them, may not have had the experiences that you've had. It might be that you're trying to um, work out what it means that your marriage is in difficulty, what it means that you don't know what God's calling you to do with your life now, what's next, what's the next step. Maybe there's something uh, that God's calling you to be obedient towards that you are kind of hesitant to step into. But other people who you're trying to work this out with, trying to talk this through with, haven't had those experiences. And so you can talk to them, but you just kind of get this feeling that they don't quite get it. Also, if it's something that's really important to you, something that you're carrying, the chances are they're not going to carry it in the same way that you do. It's not going to be something that's as as raw for them, something they're, they're as passionate about, something that is as heavy a burden for them. And so whilst you're sharing it with them... At the same time, they they don't quite sit with it in the same way you do. So again, you're talking to them, but you kind of think, ah, it feels good to talk to someone about it, but this isn't quite it either. And finally, the other reason why maybe we feel a little alone and isolated in this, and this is maybe my issue more than you guys, so I'll talk in a sort of first person, I think that's right, first person tense. I, exter- I process things externally. I talk and I think at the same time, which explains a lot of the problems I get myself into, if I'm honest. But what happens is I have a problem. I have something I'm struggling with. I'm thinking through. I'm thinking, how does this all fit together? How does this work? I don't get it. So I naturally want to talk to other people around, uh, around me about it. And I think we're made to do that. We're made to be in community. Uh, we're made to work. why The church is here. We're made to kind of live like that. But so often I talk to people and I've still not resolved it. So I'll talk to someone about my issue and kind of get it out there. But I still won't quite feel fulfilled about it. And so I'll go and talk to them again and talk to them again. And if I'm really honest, by the end of it, they're like, Laura, I love talking to you. But do you think you should talk to somebody else now? And even they get bored of listening to me. And the trouble is that I'm trying to work stuff out between me and other people when actually I need to be going to God. And I think sometimes we, don't, we feel like other people don't quite get it. Other people aren't quite journeying with us on it. But part of the reason for that is because God says, I want your attention. I want this to be about me and you. I'm the one that can journey this with you. Um, I want to just quickly read verses 22 to 24. I'm just building the suspense. Um, okay, so it says in uh, Genesis 32:22 to 24, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants' wives and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jacob River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. You know, at this point in Jacob's life, he had a lot of stuff. He had loads of stuff. He had possessions. He had things. He'd worked for years, and he would consider himself wealthy. And he had a lot of people around him. He had community. He had family. He had people working for him. His life was busy, and his life was full. And we could debate for a while why it was that Jacob decided to take all his stuff and shove it over the other side of the river, Um Google it. It's interesting. Uh, All that, we could talk about that for a while. But the key fact is that God didn't come and wrestle with him on this. He couldn't struggle this through with God, really grapple with it, until all of that stuff had been moved out of the way. And Jacob knew what it was to be isolated and on his own with God. Where God goes, you know what? You've got rid of all that stuff. All that stuff you keep turning to is out of the way. Now I've got your attention. Now it's me and you. This is what I wanted. You know, I'm naturally someone who survives in community. There's a bit of a kind of ongoing joke in... um in, in my office where, where I work. This is actually, if I didn't live in community, I probably wouldn't have made it to 27. Uh, there's people in this church that have helped me so many times where my radiators have exploded early in the morning and people have had to come out and help me, I don't know, stop them in some way. Uh, when I've wrenched off wardrobe doors, I'm that strong. and I've just fallen off. I've been careless. Too many clothes. Um, and all the sort of hinges have fallen off and people in BNQ have gone sort B&Q finding um, the correct, Hingy things for me. Uh, and then, even this week, I cleverly left the lights on on my car and was totally reliant on Pete, who's driving this morning, and another guy, Andy, when I flattened the battery on my car uh, to rescue me, help restore my car to its former glory before my husband found out. I'm totally reliant on other people around me. But the trouble is, I act exactly the same when it's an emotional issue. I try and talk to people. And I think people offer wisdom. I think God puts people alongside us and I think that's important. But often I'm waiting for them to tell me what to do. I'm waiting for them to tell me what I should be doing when actually God's got a pretty good answer and he just wants my attention. And do you know, when you find yourself isolated, when you find yourself lonely, and you go, do you know what? I'm kind of exhausted asking everybody I can think of. And God has your attention. For him and I believe for you, it is a really precious time. When God has got you and you go, right God, you know what, I've tried everything, I'm yours, what what are we doing here? It's a precious time and it is not enjoyable all the time, it's not necessarily easy, it's not necessarily your first option, but it is really, really precious. So that's the first thing. I think God wants us to learn something about loneliness and what it is to wrestle just with him and with everything else out of the way. The second thing that I think God wants us to learn is about persistence. And uh, I am going to read from verses 24 to 26 uh, from Genesis 32. So it says this, verse 24. Then Jacob was left all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. And then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You know, persistence is a funny thing when things get difficult. I, um, I, I feel like I've learned a little about persistence uh, in these, this last year. Uh, I decided, I took it upon myself, that I needed to do more exercise. And so I have tried to do that. And one of the things I've started doing more regularly... Now, I would say running, but if I say running, I feel like you're going to get an unfair picture of what I actually do. So it's probably more jogging. And uh, I've I've realised that in terms of motivation, I'm actually a very motivated person. I have no problem, no matter what the weather, getting my running gear on and going out. That's not where the problem is. The problem is when the running goes from like this to like this. I cannot run up hills. I hate hills. I will do whatever I can to not have to run up hills. And um, I remember when I started, I realised, it was a real shock to me, how strong the voice is in my head that tries to persuade me to give up. Um, I'd be running, I'm running up this hill and this voice goes, Laura... You're quite tired. I'm like, I'm so tired. And you've already done so much today. I'm like, I r have done a lot today. You should probably stop. You've earned a rest. No, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Oh. And then I'd start running again. And I'd be running. And this little voice would come back and go, Laura, yeah, you're still tired? I'm so tired imagine if you've got some sort of illness that you've not discovered, that means when you get too tired and work too hard, you're just going to fall on the floor. I'm like, oh, I better stop then, hadn't I? That's not a good position to be in. And so this voice goes on at me in my head, and I listen to it, the voice that says, you should really give up now. Things are getting too difficult. It's going to be better if you just walk away. And, uh, the time that I realised I really had an issue with this um, was when I was running up a hill that's near where I live. It's very close to here, so I'm not going to tell you which one because you'll realise how lame it is. Um, And I'm going up this hill, and this day I felt determined for resolution. I felt determined to get to the end of this, that whatever the end was going to be, I would get to it and I'll be strong. And I thought, right, if I get to this point, I'm going to allow myself a break so I was like, right, whew, psyching myself up. I run up this hill. I get to the point. I'm so proud of myself. And they go, oh, okay, I've done it. And I promise you, no word of a lie, uh, this woman, right, clearly driving home from work, stops her car, pulls over, winds down the window, is like, are you all right, love? I'm like, oh gosh, this is so embarrassing. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) I just can't run. (laughs) It's really difficult. When you really feel that things are getting too tough, it is so easy to opt out. It really is. Persistence is such a difficult thing, particularly when you're tired. You feel like you've given it everything you've got anyway. And this wrestle for Jacob was actually a really significant time this idea of persistence for him was important because you see where this angel appeared um it was at the side of this river and this river was on the border of um of israel and jacob's grandfather abraham had been promised that jacob could have this land he had said you know what this is going to be a land of your descendants this is where you guys are going to form a nation this is where i'm going to meet with you so god had given him all these promises and he was about to enter this land the next day. And he was about to meet his brother Esau, who he properly did over. Esau was so annoyed with him. I'm sure I would have been. Um, he, but he stole his blessing and he stole his birthright. He'd stolen off Esau everything that Esau should have had as a firstborn child. And he's going to meet Esau again the next morning. He's thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to be so annoyed with me. He's probably going to kill me. And uh, he's, he's on this land and he's at this border. A border of a promised land that God has said, when things get there, you're going to be different. And it's at that point that God says, right, let's wrestle. Because I think that God wanted to know how much Jacob would keep going, how much he'd persist, how much stamina he had, and God was saying to him, how much do you really want this? And I think Jacob needed to have that question asked of him. How much do you really want this? Now... Jacob had already worked very hard for what he had. And I imagine if you're sat there thinking about the things that you're grappling with, you're struggling with, actually that seems like a bit of an insensitive question. How much do you want this? I'm praying that, that the people I love will come to know Jesus. What do you mean how much do I want it? I'm praying that my finances will sort out. What do you mean how much do I want it? What kind of questions are that? Surely this should be simple. Surely God should just help me sort this out. But you see, I think God realises something. I think that God realises that persistence develops strength. You see, when I was running up those hills, I realised I had to stop listening to those little voices that were telling me to give up. And I started running up hills. I'm still not good. Don't imagine that I'm good. I'm not. Um, but I thought, right, I'm going to keep going. And as I committed to that, as I was determined to see resolution on this, I became stronger. And every time I ran up those hills, it got a little bit easier each time. And you know what? As you wrestle and as you struggle, your body changes, your body gets stronger. It develops the ability to wrestle. Uh, The shape of your body changes as your muscles develop. I think that God wants us to persist in the things that are difficult because it will change the shape of who you are. It will make you strong in a way that nothing else can. I couldn't get better at running up hills by doing anything other than running up hills. That's the only way I can develop that strength. And there will be times when you feel like you want to give up. And it might be this morning that you're sat there going, do you know what, I don't even know if God exists. I can't even be bothered to look into this. But the only way that you lose in this situation is by walking away. Because as long as you persist, you're developing strength. And I think God wants us to be a people who are strong who can wrestle, who can stick with it when things get tough, and actually people who can be standing at the sidelines helping other people when it's their wrestle. And you can say, do you know what? I've gone through this myself. Let's be strong together. So first of all, I think that God wants us to learn a lesson in loneliness, that we're not actually lonely. God's there with us, and God wants our attention. Secondly, that God wants us to develop persistence because it develops strength. And finally, I think that God wants to teach us about intimacy, You see, you can't actually wrestle without being intimate with somebody. Uh, If you try and wrestle from a distance, it just doesn't work. When you wrestle with somebody, you're there. You're kind of like grappling together, their sweat, your sweat, all mixing together, your breath on their face, their breath on your face. You're grabbing each other in places that aren't appropriate unless you're married. You're just going for it. It's an intimate thing. You know each other intimately, but there's a total respect for the other person at the same time. Do you know, if you're trying to wrestle, if you're trying to grapple, but you're not actually allowing yourself within this to be intimate with God, it becomes something very different. At that point, it just becomes a headstrong argument, where you want your agenda to be God's agenda and you're annoyed that it's not. If you're going to wrestle with God, God wants you to be intimate with him, because this isn't about power, it's about intimacy. Um, I'm just going to quickly read... Verses 25 and then skip along to 30 and 32. Verse 25 says this, When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and it was wrenched out of his socket. Then verse 30, Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he says, I have seen God face to face it. My life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. You know, when they were wrestling... God made it very clear from early on that Jacob was not more powerful than he was. If you think that he, he touched Jacob's hip and the word wrenched out of its socket is quite dramatic and quite gory. But that his, his hip socket was wrenched out and Jacob recognises himself at the end. I saw God face to face and I survived. I lived. That's incredible. This is never about power. It's like what I said at the beginning. If this becomes about a power struggle, about your agenda being God's agenda, and why isn't it, why isn't God doing it my way, then actually you're not going to win. The thing that intrigues me about this, though, is that sure, God demonstrated his power. He wanted Jacob to know who he was, know what he was, know that he was an all-powerful God that actually was for him. But he never injured Jacob to the point where he couldn't wrestle. He, he affected Jacob to the point that after this wrestle, his walk was different. After this wrestle, things weren't the same anymore. And he changed him to that extent. But God wanted him to wrestle. God wanted him to struggle. God wanted him to grapple with him. And so he was never going to injure him to a point where he couldn't keep on going. Because God wanted that of him. Why? Because it creates intimacy. There's a really significant part in this story, which I really enjoy, uh, which is verse 27 to 30. Uh, When the man asks, what is your name? Uh, And he replies, Jacob. Uh, Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. When this man asks Jacob his name, it's actually a really intimate question. Um, In those days, names meant something. It wasn't just who you are, it was what you were. So he's kind of saying, well, who are you? What does your name say about who you are? Who are you? So my name is Laura. My name is, it means like Laurel, like Laurel leaves, so victory. So if someone said to me, what is your name or who, what what are you? I'd be like, I am victorious. And I'd be really pleased to tell them that. Now my dad's name is Philip. And Philip means lover of horses. So I'm going to let you think what you want to think about that. But Jacob's name meant something very different. Jacob's name meant deceiver. So when this guy says to Jacob, who are you? Jacob said, actually, I'm a deceiver. This is who I am. This is what my character is. And up to that point in his life, that is what was true of him. That he had deceived his way into the position that he got in. He had tricked people out of blessings and out of their positions and out of their wealth. And that is how he got to where he was. What are you about? That's what God asks you. What is it that you're about? And Jacob replies, I'm a deceiver. But it was more than that. You see, in Hosea 12, verse 4, it kind of comments on, um, on this wrestle of Jacob and, and this man. And it says in Hosea 12, verse 4, he wrestled with the angel and won. He, being Jacob, wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, Jacob met God face to face and God spoke to him. It wasn't just about who are you, but this guy wept and he pleaded and he prayed for this blessing. So it's almost like a revealing of his character, who he is, but really, really honest about what it was that he was wanting to wrestle for. He wept and he pleaded for this thing. He made himself totally vulnerable and totally exposed before God to say, This is who I am. This is what intimacy is. This is how badly I want it. And he was able to do that because he knew that he was totally known and yet totally loved by God. So, what does that mean when you're wrestling with something? When you've got a really difficult thing that you're trying to work through, to grapple with, to come to terms with, with God, what does it mean to be totally loved and totally known? it means that you're totally secure. That the arena, whatever the question is, whatever the issue is, that it is the area that you're taking this into, that you're saying, come on God, let's do business. I want to work this out with you and alongside you. That area is totally secure because you're totally known and you're totally loved. Uh, you may know that my husband works here. You may not know that. He does. Surprise. And uh, he is the youth worker here at the church. And his office is just down those stairs that you came up to come into here. And I work for FaZe Trust, which is based at the back of the building in the back corner. And um, Auntie and I don't see each other that much during a week. Um, but when we do see each other, uh, it's really good that the people around us know us well. I don't know if uh, you have ever worked with anyone in your household, but things can get domestic pretty fast. Um, For example, uh, if someone hasn't done something, or if someone has a bad idea, let's say, and uh, if it's someone you don't know, you might think how to politely phrase that you don't think it's a good idea. If it's someone you know, you just go, what? No, and get on with it. It's simple. If they've forgotten to do something, for example, uh, have you printed off that rotor? No. You get the huff and the eye roll. (sighs) And you're not huffing and eye rolling at the fact the rotor wasn't printed out. You're huffing and eye rolling because somebody forgot to change the toilet roll on the toilet roll holder. And somebody forgot to take the meat out of the freezer. And somebody left the lights on on the car so the car battery was dead. You see, things get domestic very quickly. But the good thing is that people around us know that we're okay. They know that our marriage is safe and our marriage is secure. Why? Because I absolutely adore my husband. I love him and he loves me. And that means that we can bring things to the surface that maybe other people might keep hidden, maybe sometimes it's more appropriate to, but other people might not bring up because they're worried. think, oh, can, we, can, we, can, I, can I mention this to them? Are they going to get annoyed? Is it going to be okay? But actually, we can be really honest, really open with each other because we're totally loved and totally known. And that brings us security. And God says to you this morning, Do you know what? There may be stuff you're struggling with. There may be stuff that you find difficult. But actually, I totally love you. I totally know you. You are totally secure. And I am not your opponent in this. I want to grapple with this and wrestle with this alongside you. I've not called you to loneliness. I want your attention. I've not made this too heavy for you to carry. I want you to persist. I want you to keep going because I want you to be strong. I want to create strength in you. And finally, I want you to keep going on this because I want to be intimate with you. I want to totally know you and you to totally know me. And I want us to work through this together. A God who gave his life for you, who died for you, isn't going to be a God who just leaves you standing there on your own with more than you can bear. Um, if I could ask the band to come back up. Um, we're going to sing a song in a second. And um, I'm going, to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to sing it, <laughs> clearly. Um, but the reason for that is because sometimes I've found when things are really difficult, when there's stuff you're really trying to sort out and get your head around with God, sometimes the fact that God died for you and the fact that God loves you is the only thing that you can cling to. Sometimes that's the thing that gets you through—just that security. And then, do you know what? If God loves me that much, He's going to be, He's going to look after me. It's going to be okay. And so it's almost a discipline of singing over yourself. Do you know what? God loves me. God's here for me, and God's not going to let me let me do this on my own. So if you guys could stand, um, I guess uh, in some of this it's a intimate response. It's a response between you and God if you're struggling with stuff. Um, but. Partway through the song, we're going to invite some of you guys to come forward. Because it might be that some people, some of this stuff I've talked about, finance, marriage, struggling with singleness, struggling with health, struggling with addiction. Actually, some of these things might be things that you go, do you know what? In theory, I know that God loves me. I'm really finding it hard to believe. I know that God's going to get me through this, but I need someone to stand and pray with me right now. So we're going to start singing this. And I would love you to sing this out to God as a discipline, if nothing else. But partway through, we're going to invite people to come forward for prayer. And if you feel you need to do that, then please do. But for now, let's just say to God, you know what? I'm not on my own. I'm going to keep going, and I want to know you more.